Welcome to the Medical Management Podcast, a podcast focused on helping you level up your practice. Through interviews with some of the most successful leaders in the industry, we help uncover resources, tools, and ideas to help you level up your practice. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy today's program. Welcome back to the Medical Management Podcast. This is Jay bringing you another informative episode. Today, we get to spend some time with our very own Jesse Arnoldson discussing how to negotiate as your best self. Jesse? Hey, everybody. Well, yeah, no no intro needed. Jesse, just <laughs> jump right in, man. So, you know, really excited about this episode just because I think that this topic has so many applications in so many different aspects of your life. And so with that, let's jump right in. Let's do it. Okay, tell me, what kind of call to action are you wanting to put out here today through this negotiating as your best self? Yeah, no, thanks, Jay. Through my the last few years of my career, what I've been realizing and discovering is there's these skills, these kind of undercover skills that nobody thinks about that we just take for granted. Like we're good to negotiators or we're good decision makers, or even that those things are skills that we can be good or bad or improve upon or or lose our edge on. And so, you know, negotiating is one of those undercover skills or under notice skills that a practice manager absolutely has to have. And to do right by your practice, you need to be good at it. You can't avoid this skill and hope that you are, you know, appropriately paying people what they should be paid. At least a decent deal, if not the best deal for your practice through through vendors and purchasing equipment and supplies, getting people to do what you need them to do and finding the right motivation to get them there. All of these things go back to the basic skill of negotiating. And so my call to action is that people take this, consider negotiating a skill that you can be good or bad at, improve or worsen at, depending on on how much you pay attention to it. So let's pay attention to it and figure out how to get better at it. Jesse, I couldn't agree with you more. The reality, you know, reality of what really a successful negotiating looks like, I think is misunderstood as well. Absolutely. And um, kind of rolling into that. Why do you think most people are a little bit timid in this pursuit of becoming a better negotiator? Yeah. Well, when you think about negotiating, most people immediately go to the hard-nosed kind of guy, the boardroom suits, the the people who are willing to just be really cutthroat to get whatever, you know, the very best deal. And, you know, it makes everybody hella uncomfortable. That version scares me. I don't want to be that. But that is what Whenever you talk about who's a good negotiator, people like that float to the top of your mind. When people think about that, they either, one, are too uncomfortable to ever get into that arena, or two, recognize that they just don't want to be like that. And and so they just avoid, quote unquote, negotiating because that's all they imagine it to be. Yeah, right. They, they think that negotiating is all about getting a basement bottom price. and. Yeah. That's it. And if you if you can't completely just steamroll your vendors or your employees or anything, then you're not a good negotiator, which yes. is, you know, falls back to this idea that just because you can doesn't mean you should. And, Absolutely. Right? Because in, in taking a step back and realizing that there are so many other factors and forces at play in a negotiation, in a relationship, because that's what you're doing, right? That mm-hmm. just because you get a lower price, if you've ruined the trust, or the motivation to be a good partner, 
you've done way more damage by feeling like you won because you got a you know five hundred dollar discount in from the life of the the contract or or the relationship. Mm-hmm. And there's always a win win. That's the goal, right? Is really yeah. finding that not not to steal your thunder here. But um, let's uh, double click on this idea of negotiating as your best self and, and tell me more about that. Absolutely. Let's come back right after this too. We didn't talk about this before, but what is a successful negotiation? Let's come back to that. But this idea of negotiating as your best self, you don't have to be the cutthroat guy, the car salesman, whatever it is to get the very best deal and, and steamroll the other person. In most cases, there is no fixed pie. There's a version of a negotiation where you don't have to be the stereotypical negotiator. So negotiating as your best self would really means what's your personality? What are your strengths? And then let's tweak a couple of things, give you a couple of tools, whatever it may be to make that version of you successful in your conversations. And so if you're a little bit quiet, a little bit timid, that's okay. There are ways in which you can be a successful negotiator, whether that's by improving your preparation and just being very ready for all sorts of different scenarios or using your quietness to kind of draw them in and and bring down their, if the other person is a cutthroat or, or really outspoken, loud person, kind of bringing them back down to where you're at. If you're just a normal Joe Schmo, there are lots of different things you can do to set the tempo for your speed and not for any sort of, you know, Rumble Royale, a uh, <laughs> cage match with the other person. 100%. 100%. I mean, where to go next? You know, I think we have kind of two things here. We can kind of divert to, you know, what's a good outcome in a negotiation and then kind of the, what are those things that we can do to build our skills? Right. Let's go into the, what a good outcome looks like in a negotiation. I kind of think of three things, Jay, when I'm negotiating. First, did I do well by myself or the organization I'm representing? It's not, did I get the absolute, did I get every single penny I could have? No, that's not it. Did I do well by them? Can I go back or can I look and look at them or look at myself in the mirror and say, I think we did well out of this Two, Did I maintain or or create a, a good relationship? You spoke to, what if I get that last little bit, the last $500 discount? The thing is, is that it's more important to have a good relationship than it is to save just a few more dollars. By saving a few more dollars, you may alienate the person sitting on the other side of the table. They can't go back and say they got a decent deal. And therefore, you know, they may resent you in the future when it comes up for them to maybe go a little bit above and beyond for you. They won't. There's a chance that they could could save your your butt or just kind of let things go. They won't stand up for you. Your relationship's gone. So again, first, did I do a, a good job for who I represent? Have I created a good relationship, work, good working relationship? And then third, did I live up to, to my own ethics? I remember I was representing a clinic that was soliciting a quote for janitorial services. And the physician that I was representing just kept pushing and pushing to do this as cheap as possible. And I did it. Man, I, I squeezed every last drop out of that rock. And I felt terrible. <laughs> you know, I didn't, I, I thought about it as I was trying to go to sleep, couldn't sleep because, you know, this was a small business that we were working with. And we had really just, I knew what their costs probably were. And I felt like maybe we had, had really done them wrong. And to the second point, that relationship was not a good one there going forward. And there were times where 
if they could have stepped up and gone above and beyond for us or just watched out for us a little bit more, they didn't. And it hurt us way more than what we saved by the few more dollars that we stuck it to them. So did I do right by myself? Do we have a good working relationship? And did we live up to a certain ethical standard? That's what I see as a good outcome. I love it. I do think that's important. At the end of the day, you do have to work with these people. Yeah. Afterwards, right? Yeah. Generally, right? And even if it's a sale 90, of a business. 99% or, of negotiations are with people circle back. Right. What about negotiating? Jay, what if we negotiated with a medical assistant for our clinic and we got her at the absolute lowest price possible? Is that really a moment where you and I should be high-fiving each other? No. Yeah, that, absolutely. Right. That should, should we resent us. Should we put that person... <laughs> on such defense that they think now that anytime we have an opportunity to shortchange him or her, we do. And then if we turn around and say, by the way, do you mind going above and beyond for us? And they look at us and say, well, that's certainly not the taste that was put in my mouth day one of my job. And yeah, it's just, it's so short-sighted. It blows my mind. That is the thought process. You know, it's an end. It's, do you want to push someone to barely make any money, have any margin on the work they do for you? So that you completely reduce any motivation for them to, to do well. And that's the challenge, right? You, you want to find a, a good spot where both sides feel like this is worthwhile to do the best we can for each other. Mm-hmm. I talked to one guy one time that when he would negotiate with vendors, he would have different points in his range. I think we're all kind of used to the term, the, the BATNA, the best alternative to a negotiated agreement. That's kind of like the, you know, this is the lowest point I'm willing to go with this one. And this is the best alternative to if it goes below that. But he would have a range of two more points where I think if I really push this, I could get to and then back off 10%. And he wouldn't go beyond that 10%. He would always leave a little bit on the table as a sort of relationship collateral piece. I thought it was interesting. Like he really had, had thought this through and was using those last few dollars to buy himself a better relationship with the vendor. Yeah, no, that's interesting. And, you know, just to throw, throw a story on this, back in my um, prior years in a different business, but in the process of selling that, a sticking point in the sale was the lack of willingness to, in the contract, require that business insurance would be held. And mm-hmm. from my perspective, since I was no longer in the business, I was unable to get insurance to cover, like, you know, what we call tail. Yeah. tail insurance and in the certain the industry I, I just couldn't do that because i had left left the industry and the attorney that was representing the other party was certainly if we can we will rather than if we can should we and yeah. i'll tell you what since that occurred i've had many opportunities to refer business to this company and i've chosen not to because of that one small thing and at the end of the day there's no logical reason why the company would not have had insurance mm-hmm. but the perception was well, what if we accidentally, you know, la- have lapse of coverage? Then does that mean this contract is completely null? And we don't want to take that just microscopic risk. Yeah. And to my point was, well, I can't, there is no way for me to cover any of the risks. So I'm relying on you to, for the three payments you have to make over the course of the next three years, write a check, make your payment. Mm-hmm. And that was, that was a, a struggle. And at the end of the day, you know, whatever relationship we had completely broke it. And, you know, what the potential benefit of having a positive, an ally moving forward to eliminate that over, I might misplace the check that I need to pay 
and I don't want to take that risk. It's just foolish. And, and it's, you know, you scratch your head and say, just because you can doesn't mean you should. And what mm-hmm. potential relationship harm is this going to cause? Certainly something to think through. Oh my gosh, absolutely. And we all have a story similar to that, hopefully. And what the lesson I'm hoping that we're learning from that is how do we want to be treated, that golden rule, and turning around and, and reapplying it to other people. And that's, that is the absolute opposite of what the stereotypical negotiator does. So going back to you know negotiating as your best self, whatever your personality, I don't think that there's a personality that is inherently bad at negotiating, just inherently opposite of what the stereotype is. And so if you're a person who cares about other people, a person who thinks about other people, who you know doesn't want to be in an un- uncomfortable situation, not because they're not okay with having hard discussions, but because they don't want to put somebody else in a bad spot, that's okay. You don't have to be like that. <laughs> that that's the whole point of this. Well, it almost makes you a better negotiator because yes. of the empathy that you carry, yes. which is the, really the point of this podcast, this episode, is that empathy drives successful negotiations. Absolutely. So let's um, quickly just jump into really some ways that we can develop and become a better negotiator. You know, I'd say there's probably three key areas in which I think anybody, you know, there's lots of different ones, but let's talk about these top three. Preparation, different resources, and practice. Preparation. There is so much to be said about the benefit that comes from doing a little bit of extra work before you ever step into the room or get on that phone with the other person. Getting a process in place that helps you understand exactly what it, you know, the ranges that you're willing to go through, the style that you want to try, the things you want to put out there for the other person, what they thinking a little bit about what they may be wanting, their biggest motivators. For every hour of negotiation you do, you should probably do several hours of preparation leading up to it. So I would say that that's that's one of them. And there's there's different ways to prepare. And I think that it matters more about the kind of preparation you put in than the amount of time. So, you know, get out there and look for the process that works best for you. Jumping into resources, there's a little bit of tie here. There are lots of different books out there, lots of different podcasts, things that you can get into. I'd say that there's probably four of my favorites. There's a, a Negotiate Anything podcast that I think was really good. Never Split the Difference is a book by an FBI, a former FBI hostage negotiator. Getting to Yes is probably the opposite style of Never Split the Difference. So it's good to read those two together and kind of get a feel for different styles. And then finally, there is this book that I feel is like the best textbook version of, of negotiation I've ever read. And it was called How to Negotiate the Very Best Deal. And there's a place in there for preparation that uh, just kind of a template that I think is the best I've seen. So, you know, just kind of putting a plug in for those different resources. And then finally, practice. This is the most important. We negotiate dozens of times a day, whether that's with trying to motivate different people to do stuff within the clinic with different vendors. Uh, You go home and with, you know, speaking with your spouse, I negotiate regularly with my children to try and get them to go to bed or brush their teeth. How's that the same dumb routine? Yeah. Every night we have the same thing. (laughs) How is it that I consider myself a decent negotiator? How am I coming back every night to have the same negotiation and losing 50% of the time? (laughs) I don't know. So recognize that those are instances to practice. Try something, learn. Try it again, learn. We have this very fast feedback loop if we recognize all the different ways we get to practice negotiating throughout the day. 
and we can get better just by utilizing that feedback loop, that very fast one, and and trying to learn one thing from each of those 20, 30, 40 different instances throughout the day that we get to practice negotiating. Those are my three instances of how I would try and develop that skill and improve. Yeah, I like it. I want to put a highlighter on a couple of them just with a perspective coming from from my end that I think, you know, one of the most important things is is really knowing what you want and knowing what the priority is on that list of wants, which is so critical because your priority is often almost always different than the other side's priority. Yeah. And so, you know, they say that the greatest debaters out there spend more time coming up with the commonalities than they do about the issues that are that that are polarized. And they do that so that they can understand that 95% of this engagement, this relationship, we are on the same page and we want the same thing. And then that allows for the perspective that really what we're doing here is your two and a half percent, my two and a half percent, that we need to work through how it can benefit me a little bit more because it impacts me more. And the amount of gain that I get from my side is not equivalent to the loss that you get on your side. And that's why there's always an opportunity for a win-win. And so that's kind of, that's really two sides. You really have to understand what you want and what's the, the most important. And then either before or during, your biggest goal is to understand what the other party wants. And the challenge there is that maturity of the negotiator on the other side isn't always there. They haven't prepared as much sometimes, or they don't just realize what is the most important thing? Because everything can't be the most important thing. That's just not how it works. It never works that way. So it's really right. becoming on your side what's most important and trying to uncover either through preparation or through just the actual process of communicating, finding that out. And then once you know that, then it's pretty easy to say, well, look, you know, here, here are 95% of things that, that we're great with. Here are a couple of things that are most important to you. Then how are we going to work there? Because really the goal is to find, to come to the realization that the most of the things that they want aren't as detrimental to you as they are positive to them and then vice versa. And Absolutely. those things happen, right? But it does take preparation. Yeah. That's the, the highlight that I'll put on that, that last answer. Jesse, awesome stuff, man. Really appreciate you, uh, your insights on negotiating as we all can get better. Thank you, Jay. Thanks, everybody. For all of you out there listening, thank you for joining us today. I hope you enjoyed the conversation with Jesse. And for the show notes, transcripts, material from the show, and everything else really that MedMan does, head over to our website at medman.com. And remember, we'll be here twice a week sharing insights, ideas, and tools to help you level up your practice. Thanks again for joining us. Thanks for tuning in to the Medical Management Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's featured guest. For the show notes, transcripts, resources, and everything else MedMan does to help you level up, be sure to visit us at medman.com. Thank you.